Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. The 18th of September, 2022. The series is, What a Mighty God We Serve. The sermon title, The Love of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. A few things before we actually start here. Uh, first, I would just like to recognize we have Joyce and Ron Maxwell, who are visiting us today. They were board members and teachers in this church for years and years. They have discipled so many of us. They have discipled me, and I am so grateful that they get to be here to worship the Lord with us um, today. And we thank you for all of your service to this church. Um, Second, I the last time I was here in the pulpit was right before I left for my sabbatical, and I was really weepy. I don't know if you guys remember this. <sighs> because I knew that I was going to go for three months without taking communion with you, and that was a hard thing to do, but I just want to say... Thank you so much, church, for that time of sabbatical. It was a very, uh, a very good rest, a very good time with the Lord, and I, I'm just so grateful for your love and honor of your pastors that you care for us. So thank you. So it's good to be home. Amen. Thank you. I realized I told the kids this the other day. Um, when I, because my first sermon back was to them because the kids are important, guys. Uh, and I realized during my sabbatical that I have literally spent more time in this building than I have in any other location anywhere in my entire life because I've been here pretty much my whole life. So that was part of, it's, it's hard to be away. It's nice to be home. Um, but... That's not what we're talking about. That was a tangent. Laz. Do you see that right next to you? There is a sword literally right next to you, man. Do you see it? No? There's a sword right there. There's another one. There's a whole bunch of swords in this room. Do you guys know this? A really sharp one. Yeah. There it is. He found it. Whew. Be careful how you wield that thing, Laz. Huh. Okay. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You guys have some swords right there. So, like any good and faithful steward, we're going to learn how to use them a little bit. We're going to do an old school sword drill. This means that I did not put this scripture that I'm going to give you on your bookmark. I'm just going to call it out. And you have to do your best to dig in that sword. Don't cut yourself because it's sharp, right? And do your best to find the verse. And when you find the verse, if you're feeling bold, stand up 
and read it loud for all of us to hear. Okay? Are you ready? Bible's closed. Hold them up like Pastor Joseph is. All right. All right. 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Go. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Eleven. <laughs> uh, excuse me, Pastor. A little more bold, but there was like four people who stood up with you. <laughs> and keep going all the way through thirteen. That was sharp. Hide it in your heart that you might not sin against God. Good job, guys. Give yourselves a pat on the back, a round of applause. Okay, good job. So before we go too far, I just, well, there's a few new faces in here. And if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Abby. My legal name is not Pastor first on my birth certificate, but you can call me Pastor Abby or you can call me Abby. I'm pretty, you know. Thank you, Gaz. You're very kind. (laughs) And I love this church. Yes, that's right. My job is pastor and that is, yes, it is. That is right. Amen. So, um, like I said, I've been here for over 10 years pastoring, and I have grown up here in not these chairs, because we redid those, but in, in the walls of these church. So if you haven't met me, please come say hi to me. I feel like every week I haven't been able to get to everyone. So um, it's good to be back. For the next three weeks, I'm going to be in this pulpit, and I might make you do more sword drills so you can practice. Do you guys know the old church chorus we're going to sing? What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. All right, sing it with me one more time. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Now, because I am a really nice pastor, and I care about you so much, I'm going to be praying that for the next three weeks, this song gets really stuck in your head. That it is in the background music to all of your thoughts, that the greatness and might and splendor and glory of God are the lens you see through, that you look up to the skies and with eyes of faith you see angels bowing before the glorious throne, 
that this song in the back of your mind fills your heart with gladness and love for the mighty God you serve, that you begin to feel it in your very bones as the structure that holds your very being up, and that it becomes the nice lullaby that brings you in peace to lie down and rest because the Lord your God makes you dwell in safety. So, one more time. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Wonderful. While we dwell on the might of the Lord our God, let's open our Bibles, this time to something that was on the bookmark. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. When I hear the rustling pages cease. Romans 8:31. Wow. I messed up the slide. No, I did it. They're all Pastor Joseph. And I'm, I'm back now, so <laughs> it's my mistakes now. Okay, 888 is the page in the Pew Bible. Starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Bow your heads and let's pray. Lord, your word is living and active, <clears throat> sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Spirit, speak to your church. Give us tender hearts that we might hear your voice and enter your rest. In Christ Jesus we pray, amen. Kids, hear this. Let me see your eyeballs. I'm waiting. There we go. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing at all. 
Hold on to that. Remember it. Tell yourself that. As you grow old and people try and tell you different things, you say, nah, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me from God's love. Okay? Okay. So, today we begin a three-week sermon series, and we begin it on the mighty God we serve. We serve God because we love God. We love God because God first loved us. And to know God is to know love, true love, not worldly definitions of love, not fleeting feelings of affection, rather real, uncompromising, unfailing, and unwavering love. The love of God is committed, promised, covenantal love. It is jealous love. See, church, we are the new Israel, We're the bride of Christ. The entire Bible is the epic love story of God and his people. From the very first promise he made to Adam and Eve in the garden, to the promise of Abraham, to the promise given to Moses on Mount Sinai, and the promise fulfilled in Christ crucified on the cross. The whole thing is the story of God's unfailing love for us. And church... As his bride, God has promised to love us until death do us part. But turns out, death can't do us part because Christ conquered the grave. So let me back up in the story. Let's take a minute to look at the whole thing. We began today in Exodus chapter 20, in the book of Exodus, and we, God had made covenant, which is a committed promise, with the people of Israel through Abraham. He brought the nation from the hand of slavery. At that point, when I said Abraham, it's Moses. At this point in in Exodus, sorry. Yep. Uh, At this point, we read from Exodus, in Exodus 20, the plagues upon Egypt had passed, the Red Sea had parted, Manna had fallen from heaven, waters had gushed from the rocks, and here at Mount Sinai, God met his people. God had shown his faithfulness and his love to his people. So when we arrive at that statement in Exodus 20, when God hands the Ten Commandments to Moses, when God says, serve none other but me, for I am a jealous God, he had proven just how jealous his love truly was. Hear me. This isn't some sort of envious love, not a covetous love, seeing what others have and wishing it for himself. It's not some sort of petty, attention-seeking love. It's not as though God needs our accolades to establish his glory. God is mighty and glorious if we never admit it with our lips. And if we never admit it, even the rocks will cry out in praise. Remember, angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. No, God's jealousy is a jealousy that fiercely protects that which is his. 
And the moment we passed through the waters and God called us by and with and through Jesus, his child, in whom he is well pleased, you can be certain that you are his. You are God's child. And as we look at God's jealousy for Israel, his children, which is not just a story among many, but is our story as the new Israel, we see that God's love prevails upon the hardest of hearts in mighty signs and wonders as he protects his people and delivered them from the land of Egypt. Seriously, church, God is jealous for us the way a mother is jealous for someone who tries to harm her child. And God is mightier than any parent can ever be which means there is nothing and no one who can pull us from his protective grasp. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing, nothing will separate us from God's love. But the jealous love of God is not just outwardly focused. God has committed to us just like I have committed to Kyle, my husband. And Kyle is in turn committed to me. The promise goes both ways. We both are willing to make a stand for the love we hold so dear, to not let it be taken by another. Church, jealous love protects the beloved, and it demands faithfulness. God asks his people to be faithful to him. And before he ever even asked for our faithfulness, he proved his own faithfulness in mighty acts, in signs and wonders, in steadfast love. So let's move ahead once again to Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. God's love is faithful. God is so fiercely committed to the promise of his saving love to his people that he did not spare himself in Christ Jesus our Lord. He faithfully and sacrificially bore that cross because he promised to love us and to save us. Hear this, church. Because where more than the cross is the mighty love of God displayed? God humbled himself to death on a cross that we might be freed from the slavery of sin and death forever. God gave himself up for our sake. And even as we sat jeering in the crowd or denying or mocking or running scared or simply giving up hope, the love of God was so powerful that Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because even when we are faithless, 
God remains faithful. And the love of God did not stop there at the cross. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because, church, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Just as we died with him in the waters of baptism, so we will be raised to new and unending life by and with and through him on the last day. Because in love, Christ Jesus our Lord conquered the grave. So, we are confident that God's love conquers all that this world can throw at it. Because in love, Christ Jesus our Lord conquered the grave, we can be confident that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Because in love, Christ Jesus our Lord conquered the grave, we preach good news to the poor, the restoration of sight to the blind, freedom to captives and prisoners, and the year of the Lord's favor. Because church, God's love is mighty, it is fierce, it is jealous and faithful and conquering. And that is why Paul can say with all boldness, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Kids, look at me again. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Church, hear me. This is not some naive, triumphalist call on my behalf. Sure, we've had our cause for mourning. But Jesus wept. We've had our cause for anger. And Jesus himself turned over tables and called people whitewashed tombs full of death. We've had our cause for anxiety. Jesus himself sweat blood the night of his suffering and death. But God's perfect love will never fail. God's perfect love will fiercely protect. God's perfect love will conquer all. And though to the wisdom of this world, it seems like an insensitive and foolish statement, the truth is that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Because God's love, God's perfect love, conquers all, redeems the bad, it forgives sins, it heals the brokenhearted, frees captives, it even undoes death itself. And God's perfect love demands our loyalty. Not just demands it, it serves it. So church, do not harden your hearts as you face trials, as you face persecutions, as you face hopelessness, 
don't harden your heart. Let it be tender to God. Let God's loving word divide out all that hinders, that weighs you down, that keeps you bound and kills your soul. Guard your heart from the lies of this world and let it be tender to the God who created you, who loves you, who calls you his beloved and his own family and who gave himself up that you might be found in him in new and eternal life. Church, turn from your idols. Turn from any second master vying for your affections. You only serve one. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Instead, keep your commitment and keep his commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. For though you may not see it now, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, who are called according to his purpose. So, Stand with me. Jesse, can you go get the kids? I should have sent you earlier. We're all going to have a really joyful uh, moment of singing this song on repeat. Kyle's going to come up in a minute. Or you, kinda, you come up and we'll sing it a couple times. All right, you ready? Get your happy clappies out. We're Pentecostal. Thank you. All right. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. One more time. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Bow your heads.